welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. Please forgive me for the late episode. This week, I stuck with a theme. I used to do more themed episodes, and this one just fell together so beautifully. Each story really highlights friends and saviors in unlikely forms from unlikely places. Sometimes the monsters in your life aren't the ones with fangs and claws. Hell, sometimes the monster can even be your own brain. So this episode is dedicated to you. Yes, you. I know you're battling your own monsters right now. And I hope this episode brings you a small comfort and escape. Our first story this week is by Spirit Voices. She has a YouTube channel where she also narrates scary stories, and her voice is absolutely enchanting and silky. I will link it in the show notes, or you can go to YouTube and search Spirit Voices. This story is called Dear Theodore. Dear Theodore, I am the monster hiding under your bed. Personally, I think monster is a bit of a harsh word, but that's what you call me, so that's what I choose to go by. To make it clear, though, I go by many names beyond you. Night Stalker is one, the Shadow Man is another, I think I also may have accidentally started a few legends without meaning to. Would you believe that Bigfoot or Slenderman may have just been me taking a stroll through the woods? Truly, depending on who sees me, any human can imagine something different. So far, I like your imagination the best. As I'm writing this, you're six years old. For all six, I've been under your bed. I followed you from the NICU and listened to your crying all the way home from the hospital. I admit that the crib was harder to squeeze myself under, but I managed. I'm grateful you've since upgraded to a big boy bed. It's a lot easier on my back. As you've grown, you leave the house more and more. I'd forgotten that children go to school so young, until I heard you return, excitedly rambling to your ignorant parents about the things you'd learned. Mrs. Thomas sounds nice, from what you say. I approve of her, for now. Anyone can sound nice coming from you, though, because you tend to see the best in people. It's a quality that gives me hope. This world needs more people with infinite optimism, like yours and you can quote the big scary night monster on that. In fact, you even try to find good things in me. When the moon casts a hideous mix of shadows and light into your room, and the fear of my very presence makes you tremble, I hear you whisper to me, I'm scared. Are you scared too? It's clear that you don't know who you're talking to. To you, I am nothing but a nameless creature, with no aim or purpose, just an undetermined maliciousness. You don't even seem to know what I would hypothetically do to you should you fall asleep while I'm around. In the daytime, 
you think you're safe from me. Do you think shadows simply disappear, little one? If I wanted to hurt you, I would. You drew me once when you were four. The crumpled paper ended up under the bed with me. You've never truly seen me, and your art skills were underdeveloped to say the least. So, of course, there were a few inconsistencies. Your illustration depicted a haphazard gray scribble with pointed teeth and horns, and too many claws to count. Almost like a sickly, demonic porcupine. I couldn't help but be amused when I saw it. I won't say you were completely wrong. I suppose I mention all of this because I know that you know nothing about me. But I know so, so much about you. In fact, I'd like to think that I know you better than you know yourself. I know that you don't like vegetables, but will eat any fruit placed in front of you. I know that your favorite cereal is Reese's Puffs, even though you rarely get to eat them. I know that you only know one curse word, but you're afraid to say it out loud. I know that you want to be a firefighter, but two months ago you wanted to be a construction worker, and you will end up being neither. I know the names of all of your friends, and which ones will turn out to betray you in the future. I know the names of your first and second girlfriends, and your first and only boyfriend. I know you love your parents, even though they hurt you. I know the age at which you'll die. I also know how to stop it. Though I do know a lot of things, I'm not sure when this letter will reach you. In fact, I'm not sure you will ever read it. I wish I could say that I was positive you'd understand why I'm about to do what I plan to do, and that you'd support my decision when you grow older. But the truth is, I don't know if you ever will. The only thing I'm 100% clear on is that I won't regret doing what I'll do to them. They deserve the punishment they'll receive, because at night, when the tree branches look like giant claws at your window, and the darkness seems to be moving in closer, I know it's not me you're truly afraid of. Deep inside, in a place your mind cannot yet access, you're afraid of your parents. I'm scared. Are you scared too? You ask the question not over the sounds of me, but over them. They fight and spat like wild animals, a never-ending cyclone of neglect and anger. You have no idea how they act when you're gone, flourishing in the temporary safety that a classroom brings you. You cannot yet fathom the amount of pain they will bring you when they realize you've become too old to coddle and just old enough to treat you like they treat each other. You would be so good without them, Theodore. Much better off, I assure you. It'll hurt for a while, sure. But you're still so young. 
the pain will fade, and then you'll be free. Free from the chaos and self-destruction and abuse. You'll be able to live the life you want, with no one to hold you back. One day, if you read this, you'll understand why I took them away from you. And I hope then that you'll thank me. I hope the nightmares of your parents' blood will slowly fade into a background hum, replaced by that endless optimism I know you hold so close. And when that day comes, I hope you realize that I care for you more than they ever did. Eternally yours, the monster still under your bed. This next story is by Emma Cumair, and it's called, I'm in love with this guy. The only problem is, I think I'm imagining him. You probably clicked on this because you thought it sounded ridiculous. So let me begin by saying that I do have reason to be crazy. Probably. I moved into my freshman college dorm this August. The first night, our whole floor had a meeting where the RA told us that we were living in the same building as this boy who had committed suicide last spring. For our mental health, the RA didn't want to tell us which room he'd lived in. She was only telling us because the upperclassmen already knew, so she didn't want us to be alarmed. If anyone wants to talk to me about this, my door is always open, and the administration knows the situation might be frightening, so if you feel uncomfortable at all, you can request to switch dorms. I wasn't too uncomfortable, so I asked my roommate Alyssa how she felt. It was day one, and I didn't know this girl at all. Turns out, she was fascinated with the RA's announcement. We ended up spending our first night of college stalking the internet for more information. It was morbid, in my opinion, but I didn't know anyone at school, and I wanted Alyssa to like me. So I sat next to her on the twin bed, scrolling through articles. We learned that the boy's name was Peter Spilaski. He'd hung himself last spring after battling depression all year. He'd been a freshman, just like us. Does he have an Instagram? Alyssa asked me. You should check. I didn't want to, but I didn't want her to think I was scared. I typed his name into the search bar and an account appeared right away. At Peter.spy was set to private, but the account wasn't disabled. Before I could stop her, Alyssa clicked request to follow. Why'd you do that? I asked. Chill, she said. It's not like he's going to accept the request. I stayed up late that night, looking at the tiny little circle of his profile picture. I would never admit this to anyone, but he was kind of cute. He was laughing in the picture, wearing a plaid shirt with dark brown hair and wire-framed glasses like those boys who read John Green books but wouldn't admit it. Seeing his candid smile made my stomach hurt, so I pushed it out of my mind and tried to sleep. I quickly forgot about Peter. 
soon enough, I had my own drama. Starting college was hard, especially because Alyssa ended up being really weird. I didn't love hanging out with her or her friends, so I did most things on my own. I wasn't depressed per se, but I was definitely counting down the days to go home for Thanksgiving, meet up with my high school friends, and see my dog. That was until September 12th. It was a Thursday, so I had class at 9 a.m. I woke up to see a weird alert that at peter.spy had accepted my follow request. I didn't show Alyssa. I knew she'd obsessively comb through his pictures. Instead, I kept the account to myself. I admit, I scrolled to the end of his posts. He had a fairly common boy Instagram, all pictures of basketball games, some shots of nature from camping trips, the occasional posed family picture. The most recent image was the full version of the profile pic, laughing in the plaid shirt, standing in the doorway of a dorm room. I recognized the doors right away. The caption had been deleted, but there was no mistaking the room number on the door. 410. My room. I tried not to let it get to me, but I ended up calling my mom. I told her that my room was cursed. She was sympathetic, of course. How could she not be? But I could tell that she thought I was overreacting. Luce, honey, you should try journaling. You've got to put all these thoughts somewhere if you're not talking to any friends. I'm not a writer, but I'd run out of options. That night, I gave it a shot. I didn't know how to start, so I started by addressing a letter. Dear Peter, I wrote, I'm so sorry that you felt so alone here. If I'm being honest, I sort of know how you feel. The rest of the entry continued on the same thread, saying that maybe if we had both been living in the dorm at the same time, we could have been friends. I talked about how I hated eating alone in the dining hall mentioning that I wish I had oatmeal packets so I could just make some breakfast in the dorm microwave. Embarrassed and a little creeped out by what I'd written, I hid the journal in my sock drawer and went to bed. This is why you don't have any friends, I told myself. You write letters to dead people, you creep. By midway through the next day, I was so disgusted with the letter I'd written that I decided I was going to throw it away. When I got back from class, though, I completely forgot my initial motivation. There was a box of Quaker oatmeal packets on my bed. Alyssa, where did those come from? I asked, frozen in the doorway. They've been here since I got back from class, she shrugged. Thought you went shopping. Alyssa was weird, yes, but I didn't want her to think I was crazy. I put the box in the drawer with the journal, slammed it shut, grabbed my laptop, and went to the library. I needed to distract myself with some work, so I figured I'd start on a paper that was due the next week. When I opened my computer, though, there was already a Microsoft Word document open. A single line of text, size 12 Calibri, everything default, in an untitled document. Sorry if I scared you. I didn't mean to freak you out. Just the opposite, in fact. Felt like you needed something familiar. Hope you like maple and brown sugar. That was always my favorite. P. It was all I could do to stop myself from screaming. Everything in my mind told me to delete the document, but instead I saved it as hauntedoatmeal.docx. 
Maybe if I treated this as if it wasn't a huge deal, it would be less frightening, right? I couldn't get the note out of my mind, though. For the next week, I barely did anything besides add to a running list of people I knew that could be tricking me. I didn't think Alyssa had a reason to be messing with me, strange as she was. I didn't have any other friends who'd care enough to prank me, and my family was too far away. The only possible suspect in my mind was Peter. Or, more realistically, his ghost. I needed to find out for certain, though. A week after my initial letter, I wrote to Peter again. This time, I asked him if he'd given me the oatmeal. Before I could stop myself, I scribbled that maple and brown sugar was my favorite flavor, too. I imagined his invisible body, reading the entries over my shoulder. It should have freaked me out, but if I'm being honest, it felt sort of nice to have someone care about me. Part of me was terrified that I was conducting a seance through college-ruled loose leaf, but another part of me was thrilled by the mystery. The answer came the next day. I was studying, alone in my room, and my computer started playing Mirror Master by Young the Giant, my favorite album. I jumped off the bed and ran to my computer, where Spotify was pulled up to a new playlist called L plus P. The description? Guess we have more in common than I thought. I did something stupid then. I added songs to the playlist. I went back to Peter's Instagram, found pictures of him at concerts in high school, and figured he liked indie rock. I wondered if he had been able to listen to new music since he died. He was missing out on new Rex Orange County, new Tame Impala. I added it all. Ever since that moment, there have been more strange occurrences. I'll leave for class with my clothes fresh out of the dryer. I'll come back and they'll be in my drawers, tucked into my drawers in that pathetic way that college boys fold clothes. I'll leave a problem set open on my desk and come back to see incorrect answers circled lightly in pencil. Two days ago, I found a slip of paper in the front pocket of my jeans with a little note. Have a good day today. P. Adorned with the awkward, angular, smiley faces that boys draw. I know I should be scared, but something about seeing his handwriting was endearing. Last night scared me, though. Enough to put all of this into words, enough to finally post this. Alyssa was out at some frat party, so I was doing some homework when I got a text from my mom. My dog, Rudy, had died. She didn't want me to worry. He'd been sick for weeks. And when I came home for Thanksgiving, he wouldn't be there. I'd never get to see him again. After the isolation and homesickness of this year, I broke down. It was too much. I mean, God, the only thing getting me through each day was thinking about visiting home. And now I didn't even want to go back. For a long time, I just sobbed into my hands, knees tucked into my chest. I was so unbelievably upset. I didn't know how to process it. I just kept wishing that someone was there to comfort me. I closed my eyes and imagined that someone was holding me, 
I thought about the warmth of their arms over mine, the tightness of my body closed within someone else's, the gentle blow of their breath in my hair, and I think I wanted it so badly that it started to feel real. When I allowed myself to confront my imagination, I realized that I was imagining Peter, his plaid sleeves, his soft hair, eyes still closed. I stopped crying for a moment. It was so quiet in the room, everyone in the dorm having gone out on a Friday night. That's when I heard the voice, so soft that I could have imagined it. Lucy, it said, what would you do if you knew I was right here? I don't know, I answered into the empty room. I'd have to think about it. And our last story for tonight is by Reddit user SapphireLion15, and it's called Little Girl Found. My name is Callie. I got taken by the man when I was four. I'm ten now and got out five weeks ago. Everyone keeps asking me if he did anything to me, if he hurt or touched me. I tell them he tried. Ripley wouldn't let him. He got me when I went to the playground with my sister, Annie. Annie was 13 then, and I thought she was a grown-up. Mommy had made her promise to watch me the whole time. She just kept saying, yes, 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 but I knew she wasn't really listening. She talked the same way when I tried to tell her about my day at preschool. When we got to the playground, I ran straight for the slide. I looked back and saw Annie on her phone. I waved and went down. We were there for a while. I played on everything at least a hundred times. After a while, I was tired and wanted to go home. I went back to where Annie had been sitting, but she was gone. Two weeks after my escape, Annie, teary-eyed, told me that she had met a boy from school and had decided to get a quick ice cream with him. She called herself stupid and selfish. She said she should have known better. Not knowing where she was, I started calling and looking around. I was scared, but mostly mad. I decided that I'd get her back by walking home by myself. I was a big kid. I knew the way. I bravely started my journey home. I did okay for the first block, but I got turned around somewhere and ended up in a part of the neighborhood I'd never been before. At that point, I was really scared. Where was home? Where were my mommies? I was about to start crying when a man came up behind me. I recognized him, sort of. Mommy and Mommy used to talk about him when they thought I wasn't around. They called him a homosobe or something. I had thought it was a compliment. <laughs> it was a funny sounding word. He asked me if I had lost my Mommy. I said yes and that I wasn't allowed to talk to strangers. He laughed. He insisted that he was no stranger. 
he knew my mommies. He told me that if I came inside his house, he would make me a peanut butter and jelly and call my mommies. I was tired and hungry, but something didn't feel right. But he kept insisting. It was getting colder. All I was wearing was my Spider-Man shirt, jeans, and my favorite purple jacket. And I didn't know what else to do. So I agreed and followed him inside. The second the front door was closed and locked, he picked me up roughly by the waist, threw his hand over my mouth, and took me through his house to a huge steel door hidden behind a curtain. I was terrified and tried escaping while he typed on a keypad. He was too strong. The second he opened the door, I smelled something like rotting meat. He took his hand away from my mouth to get a better grip on my waist. Then he threw me into the room. The floor was concrete, and I was knocked out. I came to a while later. There was no light in the room, and I couldn't see. But I could hear and feel fine. I was lying on something soft, like a cat's fur. My head was fuzzy and I tried to sit up. Something, an arm, pushed me gently back down. Try not to move. A voice came out of the darkness. It wasn't the man's voice. It was a woman's voice. Not Mommy Jackie or Mommy Lauren's voice. But still soft. Still kind still comforting. Who are you? A friend. I'm sorry this happened to you. He has kept me here for years, but I never dreamed. Who is he? I don't know his name, but only a truly evil man would steal a child. What is your name? I'm Callie. I'm four. What a lovely name. I wish I had a name as lovely as that. What is your name? Something too long and complicated for a human tongue. You may call me Ripley. Okay, Ripley. I'm hungry. Me too. He'll bring food before long. Why are you here? His grandfather found me in a far away place a long time ago. He kept me prisoner because of my gift. I have been a family secret ever since. What kind of gift? I can see into the future. Not too far. A year at the most. But to a greedy person who likes lottery machines or racing, that's plenty. None of them have had to work a day in their lives because of me. They also try to use me to get rid of people they don't like. They think I eat humans. Do you? <laughs> no. I kept them as safe as I could for as long as I could. 
but they were usually hurt or poisoned when they were kidnapped. They were almost always adults, and they were afraid of me. They wouldn't let me help them, and died. Are you a monster? In a way. Are you feeling any better? A doctor's appointment after my escape proved that I had suffered minor fractures from being thrown into the room. They healed, more or less, during my time there. Ripley never let me simply lay there. As soon as they stopped hurting and just became sore, she made me walk around the room, even do jumping jacks. I didn't see the man very often. The first time, when he realized I was still alive, he got a nasty smile and tried to come in. Ripley, I couldn't see her due to the light blinding me, wrapped herself around me and told him that if he if ever, ever tried to hurt me, hurt she'd her, kill him. I'll kill you. He was scared of her and left right away. A minute later, he came by with a plate of food, a bottle of water, and a bucket. After that, I only saw him when he brought food and replaced the bucket once a day. Ripley never let me look at him. She said he wasn't even worthy of my disdain, whatever that meant. I was scared and sad, but Ripley did everything she could to keep me busy. She told me the plots of Disney movies to come. She sang me every song she'd ever known. She even tried to teach me to read. We gave up on this. It's hard to learn to read when you can't even see your hand in front of your face. I was never happy, but I was never alone. A week before I escaped, Ripley woke me up. For the first time ever, she sounded scared. She had looked ahead and seen the man killing me, so that no one would ever suspect him. She told me that the next time he came, I had to sit in the corner of the room, covering my eyes and ears. She didn't tell me what she planned to do. She didn't need to. As he unlocked the door, she whispered in my ear that she loved me. I love you. Even with my ears covered, I heard his screams. I smelled something metallic and was so tempted to open my eyes. I didn't and sat still for a long time. After a long time, I couldn't hear anything else. I called out for Ripley. No answer. Even though the light stung my eyes, I opened them slowly. Ripley was gone. On the floor, a mangled, bloody mess was the man. I ran, scared, into the house. I ran for the front door, out into the street, and ran face first into an old woman walking her dog. I ended up with a lot of health problems as a result of my time there. Malnutrition, slowed development, bad eyesight, and a lot of others. I have to wear really thick glasses 
Take a variety of vitamins and supplements. Walk with a limp, and I can't go into direct sunlight without sunscreen and prescription sunglasses. My moms were so happy to see me again. Annie, in college then, came back and held me for an hour, crying and saying she was sorry. Mom and Mom are still a little mad at her for what she did, even though I'm not. I think she knows. Even though no one wanted to tell me the full story, I eventually learned that the man was a known homophobe and had been trying to force my family out of the neighborhood because my moms married each other. He kidnapped me, hoping to scare them into moving away. They had suspected him for years, but could never prove that he had taken me. When my mother's heard that he had been killed by some kind of wild animal. They celebrated. I never saw Ripley again. The doctors, officers, and therapists I've told the story to think I'm... I imagined Ripley to cope with my situation. What they can't explain, though, are the gigantic, crocodile-like footprints leading from the man's back door to the forest, or that I knew details about movies that had come out while I was locked up, or how my first night home, I looked out my bedroom window and saw a monster waving back at me. Thanks for listening. Next week, I have quite a doozy of an episode. It's been a while since I had one big long story for an episode, and next week's is a lot of fun. It's got everything. A young couple, a spooky seaside town, superstitious locals. It'll be a blast. You'll see. Let's go to Patreon shoutouts, shall we? Thank you so much to Lisa W., Rochelle, Kevin Corpy, and Elia? Elia? I'm so sorry. It's one of those, I think, Cummins. Thank you so, 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 so much. I am sending you all a huge warm hug and so much gratitude and love. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Tumblr, and Facebook. Remember, by using the offer codes provided by my sponsors, you are directly helping out the show. I always put the codes in the show notes. I think that's all for this week. Now, go get some sleep. Sweet dreams. <laughs>